if you're hearing this in nothing less than bovine clarity, you know it's our second Sad Songs podcast. Today we have the usual Sad Songs podcast crew, Kenneth Smith, Professor of Music at Liverpool University. Hello. Russell Lee, a mental health worker from Lincolnshire. Hi there. Joe Jones, singer, songwriter. Oh, hello. And myself, Stephen Overy, a lecturer in philosophy at Newcastle University. Today, we're going to be talking about the song Poke by Frightened Rabbit. This appears on their second album, The Midnight Organ Fight, in 2008, and is the 12th song on the album. It's often noted as being different in some ways from most Frightened Rabbit songs, as it's a bit more quiet and a bit more acoustic. Today, our proposer for this song is going to be Russell. So he's going to tell us what he thinks is so sad about the song Poke. I think I'll start off by saying, talking more so about uh, the album that Poke's from, Mid- Midnight Organ Fight. As you say, his second Frightened Rabbit album, released in 2008. Um, what it really is, all, ostensibly, is a breakup record. It's a series of uh, personal vignettes of two people at the end of a relationship. Uh, it delves into feelings of melancholy, but there's a real dry wit that Scott delivers his lyrics with. Uh, themes of confusion, lust, yearning, hopelessness, and suicide, um, which has become probably, uh, you know, more pertinent since the death of Scott in uh, 2018 uh, uh, due to his suicide. Um, and I guess it's become virtually impossible to evaluate a Frightened Rabbit song without that in mind. Um, So I guess with that, it's important for us to say that this podcast will include themes of suicide and uh, there's a trigger warning for people uh, who may find that distressing that they uh, either don't listen or listen with a bit of caution if if that's something which is going to affect you. now, in, in in terms of that album, it, it's got some personal, uh, I guess, memories for me. Uh, one of those, Steve, uh, is uh, a trip that we took to the Scottish Borders, probably around the time it was released, not too long after. Uh, I remember listening on to it on the way up to Scotland, and uh, I remember even, I think we called in at Selkirk, which is where the band is from. Uh, and I don't know, it had some kind of resonance with that journey for me. Um, the, the, the the album really kind of struck a chord there, and uh, and then after that, seeing them at the Clooney um, in Newcastle, um, really quite an emotional gig, I think. Certainly for me, it was. Um, and as I say, you know, when we think about the kind of themes in that album, we we we, we when you consider them through the through the lens of uh, Scott Hutchinson's death, we, we've got to remember that. Suicide is a really, um, well, personal problem right now. Uh, suicide rates are rising in the UK. Um, in 2018, they're up by 10.9% compared to the previous year. Uh, men being three times more likely to end their lives by suicide uh, than, than ladies. Uh, and also, if you consider sort of Scott Hutchison's case, people who misuse alcohol, um, are at greater risk, and Scott was well documented as uh, being an uh, alcohol dependent. Um, so, in, in terms of the song, I mean, uh, 
I guess what it seems to document for me is is the the end days of a, a thwarted relationship. Um, both parties within it are aware that it probably shouldn't continue, that it's probably damaging for both of them. However, this kind of magnetism or uh, the pull of the moon is kind of keeping them together. Um, there's certain bits in it, and whilst it's not kind of directly about suicide, I think you can pick up on sort of certain features from the song that kind of uh, lead to uh, a depressed state in which someone may experience suicidal thoughts. And uh, you know, one, one of those kind of lines that kind of drew me to that is, the second line is, it's, why can't I cry about this? Um, kind of signals to me this kind of feeling of, of, of numbness, of not really being able to kind of manifest an emotion. Uh, I guess that can be pretty indicative of uh, a depressed state. It's, you know, not always kind of uh, uh, an emotional outpouring. It can often be this kind of state of emotional bluntness um, where, where people, you know, want to feel but can't feel. Um, I guess then the second part of the song tends to drift into this kind of uh, sense of nostalgia uh, for a relationship that's still going on, um, but they can't reach the... Uh, um to the the uh the, the the past kind of uh glories that were within that relationship and uh i guess the line that draws attention to that is uh like a drunken night it's the best bits that are colored in um remembering the good parts of the relationship uh towards the end of it and not necessarily kind of you know um seeing the, the less good parts until the present day um so yeah, the, the the themes of numbness, mourning, nostalgia. Um, uh, I guess they all kind of have a uh, a resonance with a depressed mind, um, and uh, it's well documented that Scott had a diagnosis of depression, anxiety. Um, as I say, he was alcohol dependent. Uh, a lot of those things going back to. By the sounds of things, his childhood. So this isn't a, a and I guess there's a sense in the song as well that this isn't an unknown feeling. This is something that uh, you know has been lived throughout, and it's, it's quite a a, a, um, um, a familiar feeling within the song. Um, and I mean, when I think about the song musically, um, not that I've got any rights to discuss anything musically. It's it's um, very simple finger pick guitar um there's some sort of you know uh mournful kind of backing vocals going on which kind of really add a um i don't know it, it, for me it kind of like gives that sense of isolation hopelessness uh, uh a bit more sort of grounding and i don't know what else much more to say about the song really uh i'm sure there's more that you guys could add to it potentially so uh so please fire away well i'll have a go with this one first i guess uh it's interesting that you mention um those border towns rust because i do think you can kind of see how frightened rabbit come about when you see the sort of grayness and the sort of isolation in towns like selkirk and hoik and in a sense, they're quite a simple rock band, you know. They're not very cosmopolitan, is one way of putting it. And again, you can kind of see that this is something that very much comes from the the sort of borders, from the edges of things, and, and isn't afraid to, to, to say what it thinks and isn't sort of 
conforming to a style or conforming to a you know a trend or anything like this. Um, my point that I was going to make about this song is one of the things that I think is particularly sad about it is the sense of time or the sense of finitude that you get from listening to this song. And one of the things that, that I think you hear is that whatever relationship has ended has taken a chunk of time out of someone's life and there's a certain sadness about it that it can't happen again. You know, that period, whether it's in his early 20s, his late 20s, whenever it was, has kind of gone and there's there's no, there's no, there's no redo for that. There's no sort of second go at it. And a lot of the markers we hear in the songs are about these things that can't be replicated. And as well as there being a kind of sadness about this, I suppose the thing that makes a song listenable is that there's also a sort of sense of pride, a sense that, you know, I was there when this happened and a sort of affirmation of it as an event. And and this notion of like affirming the event is, is something that you see in a lot of um, late half of the 20th century continental philosophy. Again, a, a theme that we might come back to in other, in other pods. But um, I do think this is um, one of the sources of sadness here is just this sense that, that a moment has gone and can never be replicated. Um, I don't know if Joe, do you have any thoughts about this one? I do, yeah. I, I put the virtual hand up there, actually. But um, yeah, so I mean, this song was amazing. I, I think it was Russell probably introduced me to Frightened Rabbit, and this is for me. This was kind of the centerpiece of that that album. Um, but now it's much more complicated. Now I sort of love all the album and pretty much all their albums, but. Um, the thing I find with this is like it, like Russell was saying, there's all the markers and all the pointers to depression and and uh, things like that. But I also think it's quite universal, and this is what I think Scott was quite amazing at doing with his writing was um, writing about his own turmoil or stories, but making it universal. So like everyone was in, everyone could relate, you know. And I think everyone can relate in some ways to this. And I think something that no one's really touched on yet is also we've got this sort of hopelessness. We've got this sort of idea of time lost or time being spent on this relationship and all that. But there's also this sort of, then there's an anger to it. There's this sort of anger that especially kicks in at the, you know, around the line that, that is, you know, everyone knows it says, should we kick its cunt in? It's like, it's really quite a bracingly brutal line in the middle of a beautiful song, whether that, you know, the song is beautiful and sad, but to have this line, should we kick its cunt in, watch as it dies from bleeding, is sort of like wantonly or like overly brutal in the middle of it. But I think it, it plays that idea of, that loss you know there's sort of there's this distance and all of that and if you get the idea they're trying to be reasonable about it or trying to respect their shared past but there's also obviously this underlying sort of quite brutal anger and i think that's something that always sort of got me is that and then the, the whole second verse i love the sort of line about um you know to think something like um, I'd say she was his sister, but she doesn't have his nose. It's like these wonderful little details. So it's just, it's just everything about it is like 
I think people, anyone who's been in, uh, you know, a relationship that's broken down can sort of in some way relate to this. And I think it, it kind of hits all the spectrum of all the sort of emotions that might get you in that, including obviously the ones, you know, that are, that are more severe. You preempted the exact question I was going to ask you later, Joe, about uh, kicking its content and whether that was a, a brutal <laughs> line or quite use of the Scottish vernacular. I would have had a guess. I mean, I, I left that bit so Joe could pick it up. <laughs> yeah, thanks, yeah. Ken, for, for the record, to say about this one. Yeah. Who? Oh well, do you just want to continue what you're saying, Joe? No, 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 I've got, I've got, I've not really got anything else to say except you know the C bomb should be dropped more liberally in in most songs that are sad, but um, it's it does it gen- genuinely has a, a bracing effect. And I remember when I first heard this, the song I thought the song was it grabbed me anyway, I guess. But there's something about that moment grabs you if you've never heard it before you're like jesus christ you know that guys just said that and then when you actually listen to it properly it you know it fits perfectly and it's an incredibly written song yeah i mean i've heard joe use the c word in all kinds of different contexts um (laughs) occasionally but i mean i do find really harsh i mean it really does kind of send a shiver um it's you know it, it really is a sort of key moment in the song um am i allowed to chip in Stephen, here with a, a few thoughts yeah absolutely can well listening to the three of your talks made me um my thoughts spin out in all sorts of directions so i'll try and say something coherent um thinking about a few of you mentioned time um, and I was thinking more about different spaces that are kind of portrayed in the in the music um Stephen mentioned some of the continental you know philosophers um one of which is uh, Gilles Deleuze and he says well he says something very complicated about music but one of the um one of the preliminary steps of him getting to his complicated world is to say that one of the primitive things that that, that we do um is to use music to kind of draw a sense of um space around ourselves to kind of mark a territory in a way to comfort ourselves to kind of make ourselves feel safe and it feels as though this song to me has two kind of different spaces one is this kind of very rough um you know outside world and yeah the i mean i think you've mentioned this kind of rough um you can hear his accent which i think is really important because in a lot of songs nowadays you know um, most singers will you you won't be able to tell where they come from they kind of sing in this kind of ubiquitous style where accent is just you know it's as if they come from uh, you know come from another planet um but um you know you can really hear a very very localized scottish accent and it sounds very lo-fi um you know most of the voice uh, the instrumental voices are kind of quite rough in the mix and then after a little while when the singer starts to well he stops using language and starts to just sing ooh 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 um it's as if uh, the production just seems to, to change into an entirely different different zone it's all beautifully produced um it, there's this wonderful reverb it feels like you're kind of i don't know you're in some kind of weird embryo state um in a, in a kind of really comfortable place but the thing that stops that that sort of sense of comfort or spoils it, um, for me, is 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 actually quite 
difficult to listen to. It's as if it's like the instrumental equivalent to the C word that George drew our attention to so eloquently, um, which is this in the left, in, in your, if you listen to it in your left ear, as long as you've got headphones on the right way, you can just hear this really distorted kind of wall of noise, very low in the mix. Um, whenever he's getting to these otherwise really comfortable um, spaces that he's kind of reaching for, I guess. Um, and it, it's a bit like, um, I think I mentioned in the song that we discussed before, Julianne Baker, that kind of sense of tinnitus, that kind of noise that just will not go away. Something that just niggles and it, it, it has the last word. Um, it's as if this is the despair that, that, that you know, we, we can't rid ourselves of no matter how comfortable this space is. Um, I guess it made me think about, a little bit more about the uh, this kind of, I suppose maternal kind of sort of comfort blanket that we often use music to um, to wrap around ourselves. Um, another one of these continental philosophers, Adorno, was um, he was in his recollections. He was talking about um, uh, one of the most the simplest songs in existence, which is Brahms' Lullaby. You know, Guten Abend, Guten Nacht, da 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 da. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I meant not to sing on these podcasts um, <laughs> for a very good reason. <laughs> Yeah, yes, Stephen, edit that out, will you? Um, and, and play like a wonderful opera singer over the top instead. Pretend it was me. But um, he's, he's basically saying that um, he'd always misunderstood one of the lines when he was a kid. Um, he, the word there is um, a neglein, which um, in, is supposed to mean, in certain German uh, parts of the country in dialects, it's supposed to mean lilacs. So it's about the, um, the this kind of lovely cot that the kid is in being filled with lilacs. And of course, he heard it in, in what the, the real German word means to most Germans, which is pins or needles. So it, this kind of like image of this wonderful, simplistic maternal voice, this lovely sort of warm space that we're drawn to is actually got these little needles, um, you know, for, for, for Adorno, which is, it's like, oh gosh, it's this really kind of sinister place. Um, and that's, that's exactly what I find here. You're getting this wonderful, warm, sort of embryonic um, sense of space. And there's just something niggling as if, you know, I, I can't stay here. I can't stay here. I've got to leave. And, I, and actually just listening to that um, song, I find very, very difficult, specifically because of the, the sort of really distorted guitar towards the end, and particularly in my left ear. It's OK if you listen to the song just with one headphone and it's the right one. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, yeah, I think for me, that's where the, the real, the really depressing part of the song, or the real difficult part of the song is. It reminds us that there's, there isn't really a, a catharsis with these songs. You know, you're not actually getting better as a result of performing them. There is still this de depression, despair left over afterwards. And I guess that can be the thing with catharsis: is it, it, it may help in the moment, but but the the, the, the payoff um, isn't always there. Um, I think that you know it's probably shown both in both songs. Really, I think there's a lot of comparisons you can draw. Uh, between the last song we did, Julian Baker's appointments, and this song, in that you know, similar sense of uh, of, of despair and hopelessness there, and has the catharsis of writing that song actually mm. done anything for their mental state? As I say, perhaps at the moment, but certainly in Scott Hutchinson's case, you know, it didn't it didn't provide him therapy. It didn't provide him necessarily any relief. Um, it, it it's you know, a method of communication, I guess. But uh, I guess um, there's more to just expressing um, how you feel yeah. in order to resolve it. Uh, I think that in order to get a resolution, more needs to happen, clearly. 
I was going to pick on something Stephen said last episode, which was about sublimation, which, you know, for Freud is this way of, you know, taking a, well, unconsciously, I guess, but taking a, a kind of a very base impulse, to, you know, to do something wrong, to do something bad, and actually transforming that energy into something positive. Um, and I think, you know, the, this, this um, Scott suicide really sort of reminds us that this is, the process of producing these songs, recording them, writing them is, is a kind of brief moment of sublimation. Um, it, but it's not, it's not a cure. It's not lasting, you know, it's not lasting forever. Um, it's over. It, it, and it leaves us behind with this, which I think is doubly poignant, really. Is a sort of, not a general rule, but in a lot of, a lot of Frightened Rabbit songs, there's a sort of light at the end of the tunnel like there's, they're often very sad songs, but then there's, there's an element of like there's a way out or whatever. This is this is one of the only one of the few anyway where I feel it's not like it's completely sort of end of day stuff, but you feel like there's no way back for this relationship, you know. And it's quite a, it's quite a sad sort of way it ends, you know. And I never hated you, you know. It's kind of it's quite a heart wrenching sort of line to finish on. Uh, I hate when I feel like this, but and I never hated you. But it's it's one of the ones that doesn't doesn't really have a pickup. A lot of them actually, much as Frightened Rabbit, uh, uh, you know, deal in a lot. Yeah, that that includes uh, the last song on this album, yeah, uh, floating in the fourth, um, which you know is uh, a song that I considered proposing, but then I thought, you know, I still can't listen to that song. I, I can't I can't go anywhere near it now. Um, but uh, the refrain in it is, I think I'll save suicide for another year. Um, that, that, that kind of suggests, you know, at that point, it was having those recurrent suicidal thoughts. But, you know, at that yeah. moment in time, there was some kind of hope, you know, that, that things could go on at least another year. Uh, and, you know, as you say, the, 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 for the majority, Frightened Rabbit songs do have that sense of, you know, um, you know, it's shit now. But but it can get a bit better. But it, but I think you're right about folk. It, it, it's quite claustrophobic. It's quite sort of self-contained. It's quite sort of you can't see beyond the the borders of that song. Really, not that it suggests particular hopelessness. It's just kind of you know it's bracketed, isn't it, within that relationship? And you can't see beyond those brackets. It's within that situation. It's hopeless. It's not like you know, like you say, it's bracketed. That's one. It's not the whole of the world, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty bleak song, you know. Well, that was a fairly good summary, And but if anyone's got anything else to say... I'd just say, I'd just like to say that I have, during this podcasting, I've drawn an inordinate amount of sad faces on a, on a little notebook that I was going to take notes on. Um, so I think that says something quite deep and profound. Wow. I don't think we can top that particular thought, Joe. <laughs> I must say, I, f- I feel quite. Um, it's such a stark contract to how these um, podcasts began in the in the outtakes before we actually started um, filming, I wasn't... so to speak. When none of us could stop <laughs> laughing over various different things, and we've really cooled our jets to a very sort of uh, low level now. I wasn't um, expecting that at all. I, I I wouldn't have ferociously drank so many cans if I'd known it was going to get. No, and I mean, as a as a lifelong teetotaler, I'm, I'm tempted to to take to. Uh... I do, uh, Kenneth. Do I think if there's one bit of advice <laughs> to be taken from this? Now is not a good time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, after this, uh, uh, yeah. Because, I, well, yes, I mean, you know, I don't want you, the three of you cited as the uh, the inspiration. I've just realised I'm still um, still recording. We want to keep all of this banter, don't we, at the end, Steve? We'll, we'll see what we can do with that. 
<laughs> yeah, look, I think I think the, the Joe's mention of the C word and the the banter that that sparked was exactly the equivalent point of the in the song, like the exact midway point. Yeah, um, and I think that was exact. That was well timed, Joe. Thank, thanks. No, I I always drop the bomb when uh, when it's required. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll wrap it up here for today. Thank you all for coming along to another podcast. The next song that we discuss will be Blur's Under the West Way.